Hello, it's great to have your company here on Search for Truth. Thanks for tuning in. This is your Bible teaching programme with Brian Johnston. We live in a troubled world today, but our hymn for this talk says, Then let our songs abound and every tear be dry. We're marching through this weary land to fairer worlds on high. We're marching to Zion, beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching upward to Zion, the beautiful city of God. That's the glorious theme of Brian's study today. And once more, we're in the Bible letter of the Galatians, Paul's letter to the Galatians, and referring particularly to chapter 4, verse 26, which mentions Jerusalem, or Zion above, as our mother. So, now to Brian. Thanks, John. Yes, before we leave the fourth chapter of Galatians, I want us to explore its fascinating finale. What we learn from here is something more usually associated with the closing chapters of the letter to the Hebrews. But the Apostle Paul enlists the help of the same New Testament teaching here to emphatically underline the end of legalism. In fact, the end of all ritual observance of the law of Moses by Christians, even in a single part, such as Sabbath day observance or avoiding pork or demanding tithes. Here's what Paul has to say. Tell me... You who want to be under law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the bondwoman and one by the free woman. But the son by the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, and the son by the free woman through the promise. This is allegorically speaking, for these women are two covenants, one proceeding from Mount Sinai bearing children who are to be slaves. She is Hagar. Now this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free. She is our mother, for it is written, Rejoice, barren woman who does not bear. Break forth and shout, you who are not in labour, for more numerous are the children of the desolate than of the one who has a husband. And you, brethren, like Isaac, are children of promise. But as at that time he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, so it is now also. But what does the Scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be an heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of a bondwoman, but of the free woman. Instead of feeling bound to the law given at Mount Sinai, and so feeling under obligation to observe even part of its rituals, first-century Jewish Christians were no longer, even at that time, to reckon their relationship to be with Mount Sinai, nor their affinity to be with the geographical Jerusalem in the land of Israel. And like them, we too are to acknowledge Jerusalem above as our mother. Perhaps this comes into sharpest focus during Sunday worship. I say that because Hebrews chapters 10 and 12 teach us that God's worshipping people come to Mount Zion above and to the heavenly city of Jerusalem and, in fact, into the sanctuary found there. This is realised in our spiritual, new covenant, collective worship experience. Perhaps we should pause and remind ourselves exactly of what Hebrews chapter 12 says. From verse 22 we read, But you have come to Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to myriads of angels, to the general assembly, and church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, 
and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood, which speaks better than the blood of Abel. Notice the mention of the new covenant there, connecting with the mention of the same in Galatians chapter 4, where we started out from. But those magnificent, soaring expressions which we've just read from Hebrews chapter 12, they inform us that in some spiritual sense, we approach before God every first day of the week as his gathered people for worship in the heavenly Jerusalem. Don't confuse the teaching here with our going to be with the Lord in heaven at his return for us. The Hebrews letter is setting out the current operation of God's New Testament people by detailed analogy with how his old covenant people Israel once approached God in their corporate worship times. And we need to read the context starting at Hebrews chapter 8 for the true setting of this. Surely these verses and the revelation they contain evoke for us the wording of Psalm 86 verse 9, All nations whom you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord. Okay, so these sections of the Bible, Galatians chapter 4, Hebrews chapter 12, etc., do all seem to be connected and to offer us an explanation for the basis of Christian worship in the church age, this present day of grace. But returning for a moment to the terms of Galatians chapter 4, how is Jerusalem above the mother of believers in this age. Well, when we are born of the Spirit of God, at the moment of putting our faith in Jesus Christ, after having turned away from our sins, then we are born, quite literally the Bible says, from above. We are born from above, and it's certainly God's intention that we should be true sons of the new covenant. For Paul says, Abraham's wife Sarah symbolises the new covenant in Jesus' blood. This new covenant is identified with the Jerusalem above. Believers who are born from above have Jerusalem above for their mother and come within the scope of the new covenant which replaced the old covenant God made with Israel. The old covenant directed Israelite paths to Zion on this earth. But now it's the highways to Zion above that should occupy our minds in this era and command our obedience. And all this under the terms of the new covenant made effective through Jesus' death. If only we could get a grip of the greater glory of this, there would be no temptation for God's New Testament people to return to the mere symbols and ceremonies of the Old Testament way of worship. It's right for us to regard ourselves as sons of the new covenant or sons of the free woman, and that makes us sons of Zion above. We mentioned Psalm 86 a moment ago, and really that psalm sets the scene for the one that follows. Psalm 87 announces, His foundation is in the holy mountains. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. Glorious things are spoken of you, O city of God. I will make mention of Rahab and Babylon to those who know me. Behold, O Philistia and Tyre with Ethiopia, this one was born there. And of Zion it will be said, this one and that one were born in her. And the Most High himself shall establish her. The Lord will record when he registers the people, this one was born there. And so it appears that famous enemies of God's people, past and future, 
will, in a day to come, and in terms of their believing remnants, pay tribute as these nations' representatives flow up to Zion. They'll hail Jerusalem as their mother city. This will happen after Christ's promised return to rule on this earth for a thousand years. The prophetic message of this psalm carries us forward to a time when the city of God's choice will finally become the centre of worldwide dominion. The absolute thrill that God has chosen Zion as his holy hill in preference to all others runs right through Psalm 87. God has set himself there simply because he loves the place. And that's the source of its glory, its stability and its blessing. Peace will come to Jerusalem, make no mistake. This psalm tells of a time when some of Israel's enemies will be reborn as citizens of Zion. Egypt and Babylon, two of Israel's greatest persecutors in history, will eventually be reconciled with her, together with Philistia, an ancient enemy, along with the trading centre of Tyre and even distant Ethiopia. This psalm, with its repeated reference to Israel's major Old Testament enemies, points to earthly Zion in the first instance, reaching a fuller meaning in terms of something still future on this earth. Seen also from other Bible verses, a time when Israel's peace and prosperity will again spread to surrounding lands as in the golden age of Solomon, but only more so. While recognising that in the future, nations previously hostile to Israel really will be reconciled to her, and Israel and Zion, that is Jerusalem, will be at the head of the nations and central to the earth, yet now, more clearly glimpsed from the New Covenant perspective in Galatians chapter 4, we can see that when the psalmist long ago used the term Zion, more than one application is possible. Galatians chapter 4, in closing, makes it absolutely clear that heavenly Jerusalem, or spiritual Zion, refers to an ultimate reality way beyond its earthly counterpart. The Jerusalem above, mentioned by Paul, is the heavenly Zion, the original blueprint for what became established on earth. And our spiritual identity, our new Christian identity, is given to us as being from there, that is, from the original heavenly Zion. As the Apostle Paul could say to faithful disciples of Christ at Philippi, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. The New Testament urges us to set our minds above, and it's in this sense we're encouraging each other to have our thoughts stirred towards the Zion above where the Lord Jesus Christ is already installed. If the highway from Sinai to Zion demanded the obedience of Israelites long ago, how much more the highway to the Jerusalem which is above ought to claim the obedience of disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Only careful obedience to our Saviour's commands will bring about the kind of Christian unity the Lord had in view when giving these commands. Sadly, we vary in our obedience to the terms of the New Covenant, and so professing Christianity is in a divided state on the earth today, just as the geographical city of Jerusalem is divided. How different from the heavenly reality it's designed to model. Later still, Revelation chapter 21 tells us that God's tabernacle will be with redeemed humanity on the new earth, in the new Jerusalem, our present and eternal home, as a Christian worship song says. 
the Apostle John, in Revelation chapter 21, saw the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. How wonderful to consider that our eternal theme will be our saying worshipfully to God, all our fountains are in you, all our springs of joy, all our sources of true joy are found in you, Lord. By then, we'll be intensely aware that we have no other happiness than that which is found in the blessed God. I hope you enjoyed today's talk and I hope you know the joy and eternal security that comes from having faith in Christ. If you'd like to know more about this or you've got any other questions, please write in and Brian would be glad to help. Because we never pass your details on, you can contact us with confidence. There's a transcript book for all the talks in this series and it's available free on request by asking for the title The Gospel of God's Grace. You can order by email or by post and here's our address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wootton Bassett, Swindon, SN48DY UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. So, once again, many thanks for your interest in these programmes and the privilege of your company. Uh, next week, Brian's got another talk about the gospel of God's grace, so we look forward to you joining us again if you can. And for now, it's very best wishes from Bible teacher Brian, our studio technician David, and our singers and me, John. So cheerio and may God richly bless you. <laughs>